Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. Well, how many of you enjoyed this series we've done over the last few weeks? Awkward conversations. Everybody just look at your neighbor and say, awkward. That was awkward. We're going to dive more into that as we wrap that up uh, today. But hey guys, seven days away. We are seven days from grand opening. Come on. How many excited? I am so excited. Seven days from today, we will celebrate with our grand opening as we are inviting the entire community to join us as we open our brand new facility. In fact, we have 50,000 mailers that are hitting the mail this week to everybody that lives in this community and in the surrounding communities just to invite people to be a part of what is happening here at LifeGate. In fact, do me a favor. This week, you should be getting your mailer in the mail. It looks just like this. So when you get it, will you help me out by doing this, taking a picture of it and posting it on your Facebook, tagging LifeGate in there so that we can just get it out there to everybody. How many will help me with that, right? So as soon as you see it in the mail, get it out. And, 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 then, and then we're inviting everybody that we know. We gave you uh, invite cards that, uh, that are at your seat. We've done this every week for the last few weeks to just say, hey, invite someone to join us for grand opening next Sunday. And then how many know what is 13 days from today? Easter weekend, right? And perhaps no other weekend in the entire year is it a better opportunity to invite someone to come to church because people will come that wouldn't even come on grand opening. They'll come on Easter. Easter weekend. If you just give them a chance, if you just invite them. And so we're just challenging you. I'll tell you at the end of the service, one of the ways that you can invite your neighbors and give you a tool to help you to do that. But man, this is game time, y'all. This is go time. And I believe that God wants to do great things through us. Next week, we'll start the new series called The Struggle Bus. How many ever been on the struggle bus before? And we're going to talk about struggles in life and some of the things that we face, marriage struggles and relationship struggles. And, and all the different struggles that we face in life. And we've designed it this way to give you the opportunity to invite your family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, everybody that you know to join us in what God is doing here at LifeGate. So raising your hand all over the place, how many will help me in this next two weeks to invite somebody to one of these services? Come on, raise your hand. I'm seeing some of you still ain't raising your hand, y'all. I'm just telling you, better raise your hand. You'll be in trouble. Some of you will be like, no, I'm going to look like the guy on the video. If I do, if I try to invite someone. And here's what we've established in this series is that perhaps the most awkward of all the conversations that we ever face in life is that conversation to tell somebody about Jesus, to share our faith, to invite someone to church, to share our testimony with others. And here's the thing. We know it's important. We know that God's called us to do it. We know that God could use it to change lives. We know that it's at the very heart of God to invite people to be part 
part of his family. And yet deep down inside, it's a struggle because, man, it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. We don't know quite what words to say and how to say it. And so here's what we've done in this series that we're going to wrap up today is this, is just to challenge you, not put any guilt on you because we know that it's hard, but just to challenge you to say, hey, maybe there are people in your life. Maybe there are people in, in our community or people that you know that God has specifically put into your life that maybe you could be a witness to them. Maybe you could be the catalyst that invites them or that just connects them with God and God begins to use you to bring about a change in their life. And that's kind of what this series has been about. And since we're only seven days away from the grand opening and 13 days away from our first Easter service, what I thought we would do today is wrap this whole thing up by just talking about the power of an invitation. Everybody say the power of invitation. Power of invitation. Now, let me just ask you all over the room. Help me out. Raise your hand. How many of you have ever gone somewhere or done something only because someone invited you to go and do it? Come on, raise your hand all over the room. There's the power of invitation. Like there are times that we only get to experience things simply because we were invited. There are some things that are simply invitation only. We would never experience them unless someone invited us. In fact, I was thinking about this this week as I was preparing for my message. It, it, it's probably been about nine, maybe ten years ago. I was sitting in my office, and this will bring back memories because my office was over there where the lobby is in the next-gen area over there now, and it's changed big time since then. But I'll remember sitting in my office and getting a phone call from my buddy from college. We were roommates in college. His name is Gary. He's a pastor uh, down in, in the Houston area. And he called, and he said, hey, buddy, I want to invite you to something. I was like, okay, cool. I love hanging out with my friend. He says, I want to invite you to come play in a golf tournament with me and so I'm like you had me at hello you know what I'm saying (laughs) like golf tournament you're speaking my language I'm in when is this thing and he says hey not only is it a golf tournament but this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for this golf tournament at this golf tournament it's going to be played at a golf course that is none other than Pebble Beach y'all come on how many ever heard of Pebble Beach before I'm like tell me what it is I'm there you know what I'm saying But then all of a sudden, like, this thing triggered in my mind, and I was like, wait a second, he's a pastor, I'm a pastor, he's inviting me to play golf at Pebble Beach, I know what's going to happen, I'm going to get there, and they're going to ask for money, that's what's going to happen, right? And I was like, man, I know they're going to ask for missions money and stuff, and we don't really have missions money in our budget right now to be able to do that, I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to come, and he says, no, 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 he says, here's what I got to tell you, our church has already paid the missions pledge for me to go and to invite a special guest, and I want you. You don't have to give any money. All you have to do is show up. I want you to be my special guest. How many believe I was at Pebble Beach? You know what I'm saying, right? And I started thinking about that invitation, that sometimes the best things in life only are experienced because of an invitation, And here's what I want to tell you today is that we have something. Now, this is hard to believe. We have something that's even better than Pebble Beach, y'all. Like we have an invitation to something that could change someone's eternity forever. And sometimes the best things are only experienced 
through invitation. And God has put people in our lives that need to experience what we experience here at LifeGate on a regular basis. That need to know the love of their Heavenly Father. That need to know the relationships of being a part of a church family. That need to experience what it's like to know and serve a purpose in their life. That need to have their eternity changed forever. We have that and it's happening every single Sunday and we have an opportunity to invite people in to experience what they might only experience through the power of an invitation. So what I want to do is talk about invitations today. In fact, I want to point out just real quick a key verse in Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 9. I want us to read it together today. Look look what it says. Jesus says to his disciples, so go to the street corners and do what? Everybody say it. And invite everyone you find to come to the feast. Jesus saying, hey, I have prepared a place. I have prepared something that can only be experienced through the power of an invitation. I want to bring life change in the people around you. And this is your job. Your job is to go to everyone, everywhere, and invite them to come in. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk about the power of invitation. We're going to just see three things that are powerful about invitation. And then what we're going to do is look, kind of focus in on a specific invitation in the New Testament and learn a few things about how we can invite our friends. And then one last time today, we're going to pray and we're going to send you out as an army to invite people to come in over these next 13 days to experience life change. All right, you ready? Like three of you are ready. You ready? All right, get your notes. Let's look at three things. Number one, here's what I want you to see, is that God works through invitations. God works through invitations. In fact, here's what we see all throughout the Bible. That people come to relationship with God simply because... Of invitations. In fact, as you take a look through it, you see in John chapter 4, there's this woman, the Samaritan woman that Jesus meets at the well, and he begins to speak into her life and change her life. And as he begins to change her life, notice what she does in John chapter 4 and verse 28. It says, And then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Look at this, verse 29, Come and see. A man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? In other words, we see that Jesus changes a lady's life. And then that lady goes back to everyone that she knows and invites everyone to come and see what Jesus can do. We see another example of it with Matthew in Luke chapter number 5. He puts on a feast to introduce all of his friends and family to Jesus. In fact, we see it in Luke 5.22. It says, Then Levi, also known as Matthew, held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. In other words, he said, I've experienced Jesus, and I want everybody else to experience Jesus in the way that I have experienced Jesus. So he invites them. He, he has a banquet. He has, we talked about it last week, a barbecue and invites everybody over so that they can meet Jesus who has changed his life. We see it again with Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. 
Here's Cornelius. He knows that Peter is coming to his house and they're going to talk about Jesus. So look what he does in in verse 24. The following day, uh, when Peter arrived in Caesarea, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together all his relatives and close friends. Once again, we see here's a guy who has been touched by Jesus. And what does he do? He says, I want everybody that I know, all my friends, all my relatives, all my family, everybody that I know, I am inviting them in to experience what I have experienced. God works through invitations. In fact, like this is the story of the entire Bible. The whole Bible is the story of Jesus inviting us to be part of his family. And the truth is, every single one of us that are sitting in this room today, guess what? We're only here today because someone invited us somewhere along the way. Maybe it was a parent who taught us the ways of the Lord growing up in church. Maybe it was a friend who invited us. Maybe it was a relative who told us about Jesus. But every single one of us are here because of some sort of invitation. God works through invitations. Number two, I want you to see this, that people are open. Everybody say open. People are open to invitations. You know, I think sometimes here's what we think is we think, well, you know what? I would invite somebody, but I'm not sure they would really want to come. Or I'm not really sure that, you know, maybe they would just kind of shut me down. Or they wouldn't be open to that invitation. And yet we learned last week that's not even true. Remember last week I gave you a statistic that said six out of ten people, if you would invite them, would come. In fact, let me just break down this this survey a little bit more. Lifeway Research conducted a survey and this is what they discovered. 67% of Americans say that a personal invitation from a family member would be very or somewhat effective in getting them to visit a church. That means almost seven out of 10 of your family members, if you invited them, would come to church. Check this one out. 63% of Americans say that a a personal invitation from a friend or a neighbor would be very or somewhat effective in getting them to visit a church. 63% of Americans are somewhat or willing to receive information from a local congregation about a church. In other words, this is saying that, hey, six, maybe even seven out of your friends, neighbors, relatives, people that you know would attend a church service. If you just invited them, people are open to it. Some of you say, well, that sounds good. Like, I want to I invite people. I'm not really sure, like, who do I invite? How do I know if they're going to be open? Well, let me just give you a little tip here. I heard this one time from a great pastor, and I thought, man, I'm, I just want to share that with our people. They're called the three knots. Everybody say three knots. The three knots are this, and this is what you're going to listen for this week when you're getting ready to invite someone. The first one is this, is that things are not going well. When you hear someone say, man, things are not going very well. Guess what? That should be bells going off in your mind. That's the person I need to invite. Because you know what? When they say, my marriage is not going well, or my business is not going well, or my health, I'm not feeling well. Guess what? You know what? People are looking for hope. And when you hear that, that's a perfect invitation for you to say, hey, come and go to church with me. Right there. And here's another one. When, when someone says, I was not prepared for that. Like when someone goes, hey man, my car was wrecked or I lost my job or I wasn't expecting that. That's a sign that people are open for something new. Here's another one. When people say, I'm not from here. When you meet someone that says, I'm not from here or I'm new to this, to this town or whatever. You know what they're saying? They're saying, I don't have a whole lot of friends. I don't have a whole lot of community. And it's a perfect opportunity to use that as a springboard to invite them into something that could change their lives 
forever. God works through invitations. People are open to invitations. But then check this out, number three. Lives are changed by invitations. In fact, isn't that what we're all about here at LifeGate? Changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth, right? right? Where does that start? It always starts with an invitation. We invite someone to come in and God begins to work in their life. And what's amazing about invitations is they create a ripple effect. Like one person gets invited and then God touches their life. And then what happens? They invite somebody else and God touches their life. And then what happens? They invite someone else and on and on and on before, before long. Like entire communities could be changed. We see it, in fact, in, in, in John chapter 1. I, I just love the way that this all just kind of lines out. I'll just kind of give you an overview of John chapter 1. Check it out. In verse, in verse number 35, John invites Andrew to come and meet Jesus. And then what happens in verse 40? Andrew then turns around and invites his brother Peter to come and meet Jesus. And then in verse number 43, Jesus invites Peter. Philip to come and follow him. And then in verse 45, Philip invites a guy named Nathaniel to come follow him. And Nathaniel kind of pushes back on it just a little bit. But then Jesus kind of speaks into his life and says, hey, before you even saw me, I saw you and knew you. And so Nathaniel comes to begin to follow Jesus. And right there in just 10 verses, John invites Andrew and Andrew invites Peter and Jesus invites Philip and Philip invites Nathaniel. And before long, like there's this whole group of people that are following Jesus at all started with one invitation and this is what's going to happen this week you're going to invite people and you know what might happen they might be like Nathaniel they might kind of you know push back just a little bit but you know what if you continue to pray for them and continue to invite them in eventually what's going to happen is they're going to come just to check things out and then you know what's going to happen Jesus is going to speak into the lives things that they didn't even know that Jesus knew about their life and God's going to touch their life and change their life and then when their life is changed guess what they're going to do they're going to go invite others to be a part as well and before long like entire families are going to be changed in fact, I love this. Somebody sent me this on Facebook just this last week, and I thought it's perfect. It fits right in the message. How many ever heard of a, of a guy named Edward Kimball? Anybody ever heard of a guy named? Nobody has heard of a guy named Edward Kimball. Good. You're proving my point right now. One guy has. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Thank you for that hand back there. Edward Kimball is not a household name. Why is he important? Well, I'll tell you why he's important. Because he led another guy named D.L. Moody to the Lord. Now, some of you heard of him before. Some of you haven't. But D.L. Moody became a preacher. And through him, he led a guy named Wilbur Chapman to the Lord. And Wilbur Chapman led another guy named Billy Sunday to the Lord. And Billy Sunday became a preacher. And he led another guy named Mordecai Ham to the Lord. And that guy began preaching crusades. And in one of Mordecai Ham's crusades, a guy named Billy Graham was led to the Lord. How many have ever heard of Billy Graham before, right? Now, you'd never heard of Edward Kimball before, but there's the domino effect that I'm talking about. Edward Kimball invited Wilbur Chapman, invited Billy Sunday, invited Mordecai Ham, who then invited Billy Graham, and a whole world has been changed by a guy named Billy Graham. And that's the kind of ripple effect that I'm talking about. Lives are changed, and it all starts with invitation. So how do we invite? Well, let's take a look at it. I want us to focus on this story of, of Andrew. Now, we don't think, you know what, I don't know if before this message, if I've really ever preached very much about Andrew. I preach about Peter all the time, but never really preached too much about Andrew. But I want you to see something in John chapter 1 and verse 40. Look what it says. It says, now Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother, 
was one of the two who heard what John had said and was following Jesus. In verse 41, look what it says. And the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is Christ. Now check this out. Andrew had already become a follower of Jesus. And so what did he do? He went and the first thing he did is he went and he found his brother Simon Peter and invited Peter to come follow Jesus as well. And we know what happened with Peter. I mean, he was the guy who walked on the water. He was the guy who on the day of Pentecost stood up and preached and 3,000 people were saved. Peter was the guy who walked so deeply in the spirit that, that even people would bring out their sick people and lay them in the streets just hoping that his shadow would cast on them and they would be, be healed. I mean, Peter became an amazing man of God, but how did he become a follower of Jesus? Simply because his brother Andrew invited him. In fact, let's just look at, let's break this story down and look at four things real quick about the story. If you're taking notes, write them down. The first one is this. I want you to see who was it that he told. Well, look what it says right there. He invited his, who? His brother Andrew invited his brother. Now notice he didn't go to a perfect stranger and hand him a track. He didn't like, you know, put Jesus saves up on a big billboard. He didn't, you know, get a megaphone out on the street corner or, you know, write on a cardboard, you know, piece of paper and hold up John 3.16 at a football game. Nothing wrong with any of those things, except that those are not the most effective way to reach people. Who was it that Peter reached out to first? His brother, somebody that he knew, somebody that he had relationship with, someone that he already had connection with. And here's what I want you to get. If you're taking notes, write this down. Your greatest opportunity to reach people for Jesus will come in the relationships that you already have. Your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, the people that your kids go to school with, with their, their kids and It'll be those people that are already inside your circle of influence. In fact, let's see what Jesus said about it in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will what? Everybody say it out loud. You will be my witnesses. And then notice where he tells them to go. In Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, here's what he says. Hey, you're going to be a witness for me. And here's where I want you to start. I want you to start in Jerusalem. Now, why did he tell them to start in Jerusalem? Because that's where they were. That's where they lived. That's where their relationships were. In fact, here's what Jesus would say, I think, to all of us. I'm calling you to go to the ends of the earth. But before you go to the ends of the earth, here's what I'm calling you to do. Just go to the end of the block. Go to the people that you already know. The people that you already have relationship with. You don't have to go to Africa to be a witness. You don't have to go around the world to invite someone to be a part of what God is doing. In fact, we see this again in Luke chapter 8. There's a story of this guy who was demon possessed and Jesus healed the man and the demons were gone and the man decided, man, I want to follow Jesus and the disciples around everywhere so I can kind of be a missionary to tell my story everywhere that Jesus goes. And Jesus looks at him and tells him something kind of different. He says, no, no, no. I don't want you to go with me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to your hometown to the people that you know and the people that know you and I want you to tell them what I've done in your life it starts with people that we know Andrew invited his brother notice number two when did he tell him check this out look at this verse 41 the first thing everybody say first thing the first thing that Andrew did was tell his brother Peter about Jesus now notice this 
I think it's important that God put those words in there. First thing, you know what that was communicating? That that was a priority. That Andrew didn't just say, you know, hey, eventually I'm going to get around and tell my brother about that I've found the Messiah. He was like, no, this is so important that I'm going to make this a priority in my life. First thing. In fact, let's put it into perspective for just a minute. Let's just imagine today that, that you had uh, a friend who had cancer. And imagine that somewhere uh, along the way you discovered that there was a cure for cancer that your friend didn't know about it. What would be the first thing that you would do? You want to call that friend. You want to tell that friend. You wouldn't be like, well, you know, hey, you know, I'm kind of busy right now. And when I get around to it, you know, then I'll, I'll give them a call and tell them, you know, what I found and that they can find healing. No, you'd be like, I'm dropping everything because this is the most important thing right now. And here's the deal. Like we have an answer that's better than a cure for cancer. Like we have an answer that is a cure for an eternal soul that would, be, that would be lost to hell forever if it wasn't for relationship with Jesus. And so here's what we have to understand. This has to be priority. Nothing else is more important than this. In fact, this has to be priority for us as a church. I know some of you are thinking, you know what? We've talked about this three weeks in a row. I'm kind of tired of talking about it. Can we move on to something else as a church? And, but here's what I want to tell you. There are so many important things that we do as a church, but nothing is more important than this. We have the answer. And it, it ought to be the priority for us to say nothing else matters more than making sure that people that are in my life are brought to relationship with Jesus. And here's what's sad, is that most churches and most Christians have kind of let this continue to move down the list of priorities. Oh, we do this, we do that, and we do something else. We don't talk about much about reaching our friends or about making a difference in our community. In fact, I found some statistics. The Billy Graham Association actually says that only about 5% of all Christians actively share their faith. If there were 100 Christians, that means... Only about five of them are actively sharing their faith. Listen to this one. Another study said this, that only about 2% of all Christians invite someone to church within a year. Two two out of 100. Man, I I think, guys, we got to understand, this has to be priority. Like, he found someone that he knew. He made it a priority to invite them in. Then notice number three, what did he say? Everybody say, what did he say? Verse 41, check it out. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him. Look what he says. He just says, we have found the Messiah. Notice this. Notice he didn't, he didn't go into some deep theological dissertation, right? He didn't like, you know, quote the 16 fundamental truths or, you know, try to start explaining the doctrine of the Trinity. All he did was say, come see. We found him. Hey, come check it out. And here's the deal. I want you to understand, in order to be a witness, in order to invite someone to church, you don't have to know 14 different scriptures about how, what it means to become a Christian. I think it's important to know some scriptures, but sometimes we lean on that as a crutch and we go, you know what, I don't know enough scriptures yet, and so I can't invite anybody to church yet. And here's the thing, with, with Andrew, he didn't, he didn't say a single scripture. All he did was say, hey, come and see what Jesus has done in my life. And that's all you got to be a witness. All you got to know is what has Jesus done in me? In fact, in a court case, you have what's called a witness. What does the witness do in the court case? Just get on the stand, tell everybody what they've seen. And here's the problem, I think, in Christian circles and in churches these days 
is that we have a lot of judges and juries, but not enough witnesses. In fact, many times the reason people are turned off to church is because we judge everything, post it on Facebook, well, we don't like this and that and the other, and the way people are living. And here's the deal. The Bible never called us to be judge or jury. The Bible just called us to be a witness. A witness that goes out and says, come and see what Jesus has done. In fact, this is our goal. We talked about it last week, but our goal is to partner with you as a church, to partner with you to reach your family and friends and neighbors and people that you know. So here's what we'll do is every week we'll do our very best to pray and to prepare to create an atmosphere that's warm and inviting and loving so that people can come in and they'll feel loved, that every single week we'll work hard to make sure that we do what we do with excellence, that every single week I'll do my best to communicate in a way that is relevant in a way that is engaging in a way that maybe you know it might might even be funny you know if you like uh, dad jokes and it's funny you know and like we'll do our best to create a place that's safe for you to invite and then this is your job just go out and say come and see Come and see. I went to this place and it changed my life. I was alone and I went to this place and now I'm not alone. I've got a family. Man, I was down and out. I was, a, I was a abandoned or I was addicted or my marriage was falling, uh, falling apart. But I came to this place and God began to touch my life. And he put me in a family of people that love me. And now I'm growing and all I'm doing is saying, come and see the place. Come and see the person who has changed my life. Who did he tell? He just told somebody he knew. How did, when did he tell him? He said, man, this is important. I've got to do it now. How did he tell him? What did he, what did he tell him? He just said, come and see. Then notice this number, number four. How did he do it? Look at this, verse 42. He, everybody say these words. He brought him to Jesus. Notice this. Andrew didn't stop with an invite. No, he said, hey, come. And he brought him. Here's the thing I think sometimes we do is we go, well... You know what, I handed one of those cards and I invited somebody or I left it for the waiter or whatever at the restaurant or whatever. And we stopped short. Sometimes it might mean, hey, you know what, I don't just invite someone, but like, I'm going to bring them. Like, it might mean I go, hey, I'm inviting you next week to grand opening and service starts at 930. So I'll be at your house at nine o'clock to pick you up. Come on, right? It might be, it might be, you know what, hey, I'm inviting you, like we got this new building and I want you to see it, I'm saving a seat for you to sit next to me. It might be, you know what, I'm singing on the worship team, please come and hear me sing, I want you to hear me sing. It might be, you know what, hey, I'm getting baptized, I want you to come see me get baptized. It might be, hey, I'm dedicating my children to the Lord, would you come and watch me dedicate my kids? Some of you are like, I don't have kids, okay, go adopt some, you know, borrow some, whatever it takes. Like, you know, hey, come to my, to my place so that you can, that I'll pick you up. I'll take you to lunch. I'll even pay for lunch. Let me just tell you something. Don't invite them to lunch and to church and then not pay for their lunch. Come on, right? Don't be a cheapskate. Just like, hey, I'll do whatever it takes. Remember last week we talked about the four guys who picked up their friend and brought him to Jesus. And then when they got there, it was so full that they couldn't get in. And they went to the top of the roof and they pulled the roof off and lowered him down. Here's people that said, man, I'm not just inviting people. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get my friends in front of Jesus so that they can experience the life change that I've experienced as well. Some of you have friends, family members that you've been praying for. For months and months and months, and now might just be the time. Don't give up. Some of you have friends, you wrote them on the walls of this building as we were building. Before we put the sheetrock up, you wrote their names. And some of those people are going to be the ones that God is going to reach, but he's going to use you. 
to do it. There's power in an invitation. God works through it. And people are open to it. Lives are changed through it. So we have to decide, who do I know in my life? And how can I invite them? How can I share my story? I don't have to know all the stuff about being a Christian. All I got to do is just know what God has done in me and invite them. And I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm going to do everything that I can. And guess what? It, It will create a ripple effect. Lives will be changed. Not just their life, but you know what's going to happen? They're going to have their life changed. And they're going to go invite someone else. And they're going to get their life changed and invite someone else. And before long, the whole family is going to be changed. In fact, just this last week, I'll close with this story. We were in our, in our life group on Wednesday night. And after service was over, one of the guys in the life group comes up and talks to me. He says, hey, I just want to tell you what the church is doing in my family. He says, my daughter, she's 16 years old, and God is just, like, changing her life. She wants to get baptized. She wants to get involved in the youth group. And I was like, man, that that is so awesome. Thank you for telling me that story. And I said, so how did you guys get to be part of LifeGate? He says, oh, Pastor, it's so amazing what you've been talking about, inviting people. He says, here's how we got to be part of LifeGate. He says, we were sitting in a restaurant about an hour and a half or so away from, from here where we live. And a guy came up to us and invited us to church and prayed for us. And, and he said, well, I want you to come to my church. But the problem was we lived an hour and a half away from where we were at. And so it would have been an hour and a half to go to that church. So he said, we weren't involved in church or anything like that. But we went home and we began looking around for churches in Burleson. And the Lord led us to LifeGate. And we came to LifeGate and God began changing our lives. And our marriage is different and our family is different. Now my daughter's getting baptized and her life is changing. And not only that, but my brother who wasn't coming to church started to come into church here at LifeGate too. And then his wife, who was raised Catholic, she started coming to church. And our whole family, now we're serving and we're working. And our whole family, in fact, this guy is going to make dinner for our whole life group next week. Hallelujah. Come on. (laughs) And our whole family has been changed because of one invitation. And it wasn't even an invitation from someone who comes to this church. Just someone who God put it on someone's heart. To walk up to a table and say, come to church with me. His life has changed. His family's life has changed. His brother, his sister-in-law, everyone was changed all because of one invitation. That's the power. Next week, we're going to start a series, Struggle Bus. We're going to talk about the struggles that people face in life. Many of you know people who are struggling. Guess what? If you could just get them, get them to a place where they would experience a God who wants to be right in the middle of the struggle with them maybe just maybe god would use you to change their life and then someone else's life and whole families would be changed as a result of it